Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Perk Coffee Cast, episode three. We're calling Surfing Flavor Waves with Tiki Punch. I'm your host, Andrew. I'm here with the owners, Alan and Philip, and I, I'm pretty excited to dive into this coffee. I got this one yesterday, and I'm already uh, my third cup in, and <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything before we get to taste, so Let's just dive in, I guess. Alan, what? Uh, why? Why are we talking about this specific uh, tiki punch this week? Yeah. So, I mean, part of it is is like you said. Uh, yeah, we just roasted it, and I wanted to drink it. I was excited about consuming yeah. it for for myself. Uh, but but it's also is a it's kind of a weird coffee. Like it it has so many different things going on that I think it's a good gateway for us to talk about you know, varietal, like the type of coffee it is, uh, and how that interacts with the origin, where it's from, uh, and then uh, also to to dive into processing a little bit, because this is a coffee that's from Colombia, that's a variety we don't normally see there, and a process that's not one of the standard processes. And I'm hoping that this is all a primer <laughs> for a conversation we're about to have with with a producer from Columbia, uh, who will come on the show and, and give us a little bit of, uh, you know, yeah. in-depth information from his end on, on what they're really thinking, uh, more so than just our, our analysis afterwards. Yeah. And we were, we were talking about that a little bit before and I'm pretty excited about it. Go Sorry. Go ahead, Phil. I just think it's funny. He called it a show. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Sorry, it is a sorry, show. I'm sorry. It's a cast. It is a show. Right. Yeah. It's a cast. You know, our <laughs> no, YouTube, a show. there's a YouTube audience <laughs> that wants this to be a show, okay? Yeah. It could be live I mean, someday. Not today. We're though. not any less of a show than other shows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, you know, let's start talking about taste uh, because that, uh, to me, you know, as as the, the elementary level guy, this is where I start with the coffee. And... This one, um, I don't, I mean, we've been joking about this for the last two episodes, at least the last episode, punch in the face. And I think this is the one for me that was a punch in the face in the, the positive way. It was a tiki way. punch in the it face? It was a tiki punch in the <laughs> face. This is the one that, uh, <laughs> my analogy is going to be 18s, bouncing off the wall, you know, upside down, bouncing off the ceiling, something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, as soon as I opened this bag, like the smell of this, I, I got the pineapple immediately, uh, w which is on the bag. And such a strange flavor uh, profile to me, at least, with the with the coffee. And I was pretty nervous about that, but <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh, it was yesterday, one o'clock, UPS came, dropped the shit. And I was like, probably shouldn't have a coffee, but Tiki Punch <laughs> is exciting enough a name that I want to give it a shot. Uh, and this one, whew. This this one delivered for me. This this might be my favorite of the perk coffees so far, which is not fair hey. because you know this is a limited release batch and it's like super high end. So it's like, oh, champagne's my favorite. This is my favorite <laughs> of the champagnes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean that pineapple really comes through. Uh, I think so. To me, tropical flavors are always my favorite for everything, uh, and the. The Amaretto Sour is my favorite mixed drink. So this is like tailor-made Andrew. You could have just called it the Andrew Tiki, Andrew's Tiki Punch. But 
<laughs> yeah. So I'm excited, like excited to see how this how this came about. Um, I don't know. Is there anything I missed on what you guys want to talk about and note with taste? No, you're you're dead on. I mean, I, I the pineapple, just in general, the tropical fruit. It it tastes to me like uh, you know fruit cocktail, like a tropical fruit cocktail. Yeah. Like it, uh, even some elements of some of my favorite tropical fruit candies, like uh, gummy bears or uh, or uh, or those kind of things. Like there's just all kinds of and and pineapple is one of those flavors, but. And oftentimes when I taste things, uh, as I've mentioned before, I, 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 I get colors in my head. So it's lots of yellows and mm -hmm. pinks and, uh, and, uh, and just what I like about this one is that even though there's a lot of flavors that you would normally find in, uh, you know, coffee, uh, it's not so intense that it's overwhelming. It's a real yeah. nice sort of gentle wild coffee. It's got lots of really interesting flavors, but really laced in there with a lot of white sugars and syrupy, just yummy flavors. Uh, definitely different from way on the other side from the Brazil legend, legender, but, uh, but not so intense that I think that someone couldn't have a cup and, and, and be able to appreciate it. Really I mean, clean. For me, even, I think this feels very different from the, the Bancho station we had two weeks ago. Uh, and I don't know exactly why, but to me, like I, I would prefer this the most, obviously, and then probably Brazil, then Bancho station, which if, when we had said, you know, Bancho station is the one where, you know, you want to go wild or mild. And I would probably been like a turn back to mild person, but having this is like, I, I don't know if it's just more of that syrupy flavor and and tropical like fruit maybe i'm learning how to brew better i need to go back to ethiopia <laughs> but um i'm also well we'll touch on it never mind we'll touch on that later i'm too excited <laughs> too many cups of coffee in um any anything alan that you wanted to to add to taste or no i mean i think it's exactly what you're saying it's it's you know it is wild in in terms of like what those flavors are it's that uh, I, i'm the same way where i i kind of taste in color for for coffee a lot and it's it's yellow but it's that golden yellow it's it's more you know it's not pineapple like that really tart sure. kind of pineapple it's that super super ripe like straight off the plant and then grilled just <laughs> sugary sweet uh just really really yeah. nice kind um and there's, I mean, there's a little bit of a, of a funky boozy finish to it, but not a lot. It's there are some, you know, anaerobic coffees are really funky or even, uh, we just had the Gesha spirits, uh, from the same producer. And I mean, it, that's one that tasted like fruit loops, but it tasted like the cereal fruit loops, like, because it had that kind of like bready, funky thing, <laughs> you know, weird artificial flavor almost happening. Um, and this. I was really surprised at just how subdued it is and how drinkable it is. It's, it's just a really nice cup of coffee more so than a like way off the reservation. This thing's insane. Yeah. And just to back up, uh, Alan mentioned the anaerobic, which is, uh, 
uh, it's a fermentation they do. And it's clear with this coffee that um, the producer uh, did a really great job of getting enough on there to kind of put a little bit of a mark on there, but not so much that it sometimes like Alan was saying, they can be really boozy and, and sometimes that can be really neat. Uh, and, and we enjoy that as well, but this one is more subtle and, and it's really nice. All right. So before we dive too deep into pro the process, uh, cause I know that's kind of the meat and potatoes of what we're doing today. Uh, can we talk maybe a little bit about variety origin? Uh, cause I think this is a Colombian, uh, SL 28, if I, my memory serves. Uh, so can we talk about maybe how that contributes to the, the flavor profile here? What makes it special? I think Philip, I'll, field that, I'll field that question okay. to Philip. Okay. That's <laughs> <Sorry. great>. <laughs> <laughs> What's good? Um, the, uh, <laughs> the, the show is unscripted. We're just, anybody the, the show is us just <laughs> looking at each other. Who's going to answer? Um, no, SL, SL 28. Yeah. Typically we, uh, we see SL 28s uh, in Kenya. It was, uh, it was a varietal that was sort of de developed, uh, by a company called Scott labs and they selected specific trees, uh, for a couple of reasons, once they're one of they're really dr uh, drought tolerant, so they're really good uh, as far as uh, that's concerned, and then also just cup quality. They 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 just are known for having really uh, really complex cup quality, uh, and uh, and so we really like them. And we we've been seeing more and more SL twenty eights outside of Kenya. This being one of them, and we'll talk about a Costa Rica that we've had recently, uh, and then again. Uh, the year before uh, that also was at SL28. So we're always curious when we see things. We talked about this, I think, in maybe one of the early episodes where, or maybe it was on Bencho Station, where you look, We sometimes you see coffees and you're like, this is a great example, exactly like when you think Brazil, this is what you want. Then there's sometimes coffees that are like, what? Wait, wait a minute, this, this is different. Let's give this a shot. And this is one of those where Colombian coffees for, for when I, especially years ago, when I would think Colombia, I would think of uh, caramel, chocolatey, cherry, uh, just kind of this really round, balanced cup that's really sweet and uh, just a really great uh, kind of balanced coffee. And when now we've seen obviously a lot happen in Colombia and then just in general uh, with uh, coffee processing and uh, uh, you know happening, especially in Colombia and. Uh, and this is, you know, squarely hitting a couple of those different uh, things, but that's that's a, the the meat and potatoes of SL twenty eight as far as the the big the big differentiators. So the main reason you would pick SL or the farmer in this case would pick SL twenty eight would be kind of that drought tolerance. Uh, is the flavor profile any reason as well why they pick it? Uh, it's not. Yeah, just I would like, think so. Okay, and and. And in general, like I would, I, I'm imagining, and I haven't spoken to uh, Wilder uh, in, in person, which I would love to, uh, especially because we keep, we obviously love this, <laughs> yeah. uh, this coffee. Um, so it, I intend on, 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 on talking to him one day. But um, yeah, I, I, I would assume that there is, I think there is a, a spirit of discovery that's happening in coffee because, because people, 
the the producers understand that that us as roasters and the consumers are really looking for interesting awesome coffees it's also uh it's also obviously a way to drive uh what they can charge for their coffees and uh, and they're and they're worth it and it, it it's it's no different than what we do as a brand. I think it's why we love this coffee and why we put it out. We 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 search for uh, and strive to uh, to source and roast amazing coffees and get it out to people. And I think Wilder approaches what he does in the exact same way. So that led him to you know let's let's yeah. mess around and find out with an SL twenty eight. Right? <laughs> and uh, so what, one more thing that just int intrigues me because you had mentioned. Uh, about Colombia, that this is kind of maybe, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, I'm putting words in your mouth now. This is what you, or not what you would expect from Colombia. You expected more closer to that caramely, chocolatey, I guess, I what I think we described as kind of that traditional Brazil coffee, um, lat, whatever, four weeks ago, a month ago. No, of course yeah, not. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe not quite as, the Brazil's has a Brazil thing, right? Sure, right. And, but but Colombia is similar in that it we we just had a like oh a classic and and those coffees still exist in Colombia and are, are wonderful we have sure. the El Tambo right now that that is more that traditional Colombia profile and it's absolutely terrific. So, Alan, I'm I'm just going. <laughs> I, maybe I should have read the script because I'm just thinking all of them. Today. I think no, it's unscripted. I think, I think it was the tiki punch. <laughs> Maybe I'll let Alan talk. Uh, that's yes. Um, so to follow up, then Alan or Philip, if you, if if I don't care, um, <laughs> whoever knows, uh, what do you think is driving that Colombia like artistry or innovation? Why is it that Colombia is kind of this up for that? Yeah. So I mean, that is a really interesting question, right? So. There, are, I think there's two aspects of it. So one, and I have nothing to back this up. Sure. Uh, it, it seems like there's better knowledge sharing uh, and just better infrastructure in support of the, the producers in Colombia than we're seeing other places because okay. it's not just, you know, there's one or two exceptional uh, producers. There are many. Um, and we've found a few that we just, we keep coming back to because the stuff they put out is phenomenal. But uh, I mean, Colombia is really what, you know, what we talked about Ethiopia as being, you know, a decade ago, where like, that's where you were going to look for, for, you know, some of the best coffees. It's, it's Colombia now. And okay. there are so many. So, so part of it, I think is whether it's community or knowledge sharing, there is a, there's seemingly a culture amongst the producers there where they are, so we're going to talk about processing, you know, in a minute, yeah. but like I used to joke about like when we first started seeing anaerobic, anaerobic processing on, on coffees, I used to joke that that was just some farmer in Colombia that was like burying 500 gallon tanks <laughs> in his backyard and throwing coffee and finding out what happens. Like that's, that was how I defined it at first. And, and it's maybe not far from the truth. Like that was, it was this hotbed of innovation of, of, yeah, like mess around and find out and, but but it didn't stop there. It wasn't just like we're gonna we're gonna you know play around with this and whatever comes out like we'll hope for the best. It was like that, and then it was okay. What worked? How do we do it better next time? And it has become exactly. this just perpetuating cycle of of excellence. So right. the best coffees that we've tasted, I mean, for the last several years, have really all come from Colombia. Um, so I think well, that's part of it. 
And to add on to that, that excellent was re- excellence was rewarded with really fetching high dollars for the coffee. Sure. So that it completed the cycle of like, like, why should we do this? Oh, it's like, like people will pay the money and, and they're very yeah. excited about these coffees and we can build a brand. Our, our, our farm becomes a brand known for, uh, this wonderful, wonderful product we're putting out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that was yeah, kind of the, the second thing in my mind. And so there's this, this really fascinating, uh, effort, uh, led by, uh, by a guy named Peter Roberts here at, uh, Emory in Atlanta, uh, called the transaction guide, the, the coffee transaction guide. Um, and, and his objective was for, uh, importers to share the price that they were paying for coffees. And then he was basically categorizing them based on cupping score and, uh, and then how much was, was paid per pound and sharing that by, you know, by region, uh, and, and just putting that out into the world and to that basically incentivizes someone who's, you know, farm is whatever down the street from, from wilders and, and is getting in that lower quintile, you know, they're getting two bucks a pound for their, their coffee. Uh, and meanwhile, wilders fetching you know, $10 a pound for his coffee or more. And, you know, for them to look over and be like, what, you know, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, we live, we live down the street from each other. Like we're both growing kind of the same, you know, types of, of coffee. Like why is he making five times more than I am? And well, and to uh, Alan's point, I think, I think that's being, I think they go up to Wilder and Wilder's like, here, this is what I'm doing. Not like, I'm not, I'm not telling you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Tough luck. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, Philip and I've talked about this recently. Like we, so, so Brazil, like Brazil has, has a coffee that tastes like Brazilian coffee and their vast majority, you know, natural process. They, they kind of follow that like chocolatey, you know, nutty flavor profile and they're priced low, like relatively low. And we haven't seen this fire catch hold in Brazil the same way we have in Colombia, where, I mean, we, we know that someone in Brazil, the same as some producers we've purchased from in, in Mexico can take a coffee that was grown at a lower elevation that is from a varietal that maybe isn't as dynamic and then apply different processing techniques. And all of a sudden it becomes a really dynamic coffee that can fetch more money. Like we just, I hope it does happen. Um, it it is happening it. currently. Yeah. Like I've noticed this year uh, we, we are seeing a lot of, it is, I think that people are understanding the producers are, are, are experimenting more and more, but it's, it's, it's much newer. It's obviously, you know, more mature in Colombia for sure. So, and it's just in totally. general that, that another sort of next step for coffee producers. And, and, and we're going to actually get into this more when, when we talk about Andres Cardona, because there is a person, uh, Felipe Trujillo, that it was sort of a mentor to Andres, and he has a whole program with Unblended, another place where we, we source a lot of coffees, where he recognized that a lot of uh, uh, people from a certain generation were not continuing their family farms. They were moving into the city and they were getting into tech or they were getting that really farming was becoming not is popular. And what he did was he went to the next generation younger and really appealed to, to them to, to, to use some of these processes to be able to get really into 
what they do and how they do it to exacting standards and then being able to, to, to meet this, uh, uh, fetch these prices for coffee and make it more, make it make more sense for them to yeah. stay in, in, and, in, you know, on the farm. And make it more fun even, right? Like for more mentally engaging for like, oh, you know, last year I did this process. Let me try this and like just have different things you can try out. Correct. Um, yeah. All right. So I took us down that rabbit hole. So let me, <laughs> let me le get us out of there. <laughs> uh, I would love to dig into the, to that, like exploring the different origins and crop mismatching origins, like this Kenyan coffee being in, uh, planted in Colombia uh, in a future episode. But this time, 20 minutes in, we're going to go to our meat <laughs> and potatoes. Uh, we had a lot of salad. Uh <laughs> It's like an endless bread Appetizers. basket, too. Endless bread basket. <laughs> so we just kept asking for more. Um, anaerobic process. That's, uh, I think, purportedly where a lot of the magic happens for Tiki Punch and also just something we haven't heard about a lot. So uh, I think this is an Alan question. Um, anaerobic process. What's the, what's the deal? Yeah, so I, I want to back up first and talk about just what the hell we're talking about when we yeah. say processing. Sure. Uh, so, so ultimately coffee gets, gets picked from, from, you know, the, the trees and it's, it's a cherry, it's a fruit. Uh, and in order to transport it, export it, or, or, you know, at least sell it off, uh, it has to end as a dried seed and getting from intact fruit to dried seed is processing. So there are, there's the original way this was, was done uh, is basically referred to as the natural process or, or sun-dried process, which both the, uh, the Brazil Legender and the Ethiopia Bunch of Station are, are examples of this. And basically, uh, you know, they pick the, pick the coffee, set it out on usually raised beds, but set it out in the sun. Uh, it happens in dry environments and and you know they rotate them every so often, but effectively they, it's a, it's a raisin, raisin process, yes. right? Like yeah. yeah, it's a sun, so, sun made, exactly. So they're they're just drying the whole thing out, uh, and then once it's sufficiently dried, they're able to to mill it, um, and just like you would with a grain or something, it's it's just a dry mill, and basically squeeze that that seed out of that whole husk all, all the layers outside of the seed just kind of all come off together as one dried thing uh and then you you're left with the dried seed and there may be additional like drying after that fact but um but that's how you get to the seed that takes time like takes weeks so they're in places that have higher humidity um they they use other uh, other versions of it uh, and then also places that have a lot of running water uh, will use different different processes. So uh, very typical to Central and South America, uh, we see what's called the wash process. So the wash process, they pick the cherries pretty much right away. They just squeeze the uh, squeeze the seed out of it, but it comes with this gunky, filmy layer on top of it. And it's called the mucilage, but like and then. <laughs> That name is gun. pretty apt. <laughs> right. Well, that's the problem. How much though, gunk is that did it they is, take off? Yeah, it's right. Well, that I wasn't even going to talk about. Wasn't going to talk about honey process. Um, 
but yeah, there's, there is this, it's this like sticky gunky layer, this, this mucilage that's, that's left on it. And it sucks to try to get that off. So, uh, you know, at some point, you know, somebody maybe, maybe deliberately and maybe accidentally like left the coffee out for, for a day or two, uh, before trying to wash off, uh, the mucilage and, the fermentation just from you know, microbes in the in the air started to break down the mucilage, and then it was way easier to just wash it all off after it had been through some just kind of like fermentation sitting out. Uh, so that became the the way the wash process is done. So squeeze the seed out, let it ferment for for usually a day or two, uh, and then you know, use water to wash off that entire uh, mucilage layer. And then those those seeds that are they still have their little parchment on them are, are set out and dried, and that's how you get to the dried seed that you can then you know, transport and export. So this this fermentation process, and I presume kind of like the different difference sourdough bread and white bread aren't the same thing. I assume this somehow changes the bean itself or imparts some flavor or something. Yes. So actually, uh, this is, there's this bad story that we told in, in the coffee industry for a really long time that the reason that natural coffees taste the way they do, the reason they taste sweeter, or have a fruitier taste to them usually was because it was you know, flavors from the cherry, like working their way into <laughs> the coffee seed, which is, is totally wrong. Uh, so think back to like, elementary school science class and German uh, germination where you know, once the pulp is removed, like the cherry part is removed from the seed, it's, it starts to germinate, which so like, yeah, it wants to grow mm. a coffee yeah. plant yeah. and uh, it actually starts consuming its own sugars, which is why uh, there's less sweetness usually in a wash process than in a natural process. There's just conservation of sugars in the seed. But then there's also this other thing that happens. Um, so there are, you know, microbes that are, are doing that fermentation and what they excrete, what they leave behind uh, are these, uh, you know, there's a lot of compounds, but some of them are these, these ethyl compounds that are really, really stable and, and very heat tolerant, like heat tolerant to the, to the degree that like a coffee roaster uh, doesn't destroy them at, at 400 degrees. So they actually make it the whole way from that fermentation step, uh, these chemicals all the way through to, you know, the cup of coffee that you're drinking at the end. So there's an actual, you know, imparting of flavors. And that's a lot of the, uh, like floral flavors that you, that you get in a, a washed Ethiopian coffee are, are exactly from that step in the process. Okay, so this ethyl slash bacteria poop for those of us that are less <laughs> less refined uh, has made it all the way into my cup of coffee right now. It doesn't get destroyed at any point. Right. Yeah. So some of it. Right. Okay. But, yeah, but yeah. Yes. Bottoms up. So, right. Well. <laughs> but that was that was again like that was just a byproduct of trying to. Well, byproduct of the micro, so but also just the byproduct sure, yeah. of, of an operational step, like that fermentation. Even though it produced these flavors, like it wasn't happening for that. They just wanted to get to a dried seed as fast as they could, and letting that fermentation occur 
after removing the, the, the pulp got him there faster. But then again, like people started messing around with different things and controlling that environment. And so uh, anaerobic processing, just that title alone doesn't tell you really anything other than at some point in cherry to dried seed, the producer did something to control the environment <laughs> in which the microbes were, uh, you know, were thriving. Basically, like they're basically forcing selection of by different different levels of oxygen. Or there's even versions where they'll pump carbon monoxide into a tank uh, or or modulate the temperature. It's all just selecting what microbes are are thriving, and those are microbes that happen to leave behind different compounds, which, which then modulate the flavor. And so the, the coffee that, that we're drinking right now, this Tiki punch is an anaerobic natural, which means that generally maybe, uh, so these terms are not well-defined, but, (laughs) but generally it, it means that they, that fermentation step was not, uh, even related to mucilage removal. So, so that is frequently, uh, something where, so, Farmer picks the the you know, cherries like uh, you know like in the the natural, but instead of going straight to those raised beds, they're put into a tank um, and sealed in some way. You know, is where this anaerobic step comes from. Um, but so think of a bunch of, of coffee cherries just put in a big big fermentation tank. Uh, you can think almost like a a beer tank or or anything for you know, that seals it up. Um, and they're left there for some amount of time. Uh, and, and again, the microbes that are in there will, will start to, to you know, work on the cherry itself, uh, and, and all the things around it. So you end up, um, you know, different microbes than you would have, if it was just, if it had already been pulped, cause these are ones that are digesting some of the, the fruit, uh, and then they're leaving behind all kinds of you know, compounds and stuff. So then you have these like fermented, I mean, you can picture like if you've yeah. ever seen, you know, fruit trees, like, you know, if you ever had fruit trees in your yard or, or been somewhere with them and like fruit falls and then it starts to, starts to ferment, like, you know, that smell. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's essentially that that's happening first and then they're taking it and going to a drying step after that and, and okay. then following through the rest of the natural, uh, natural process. So it's a totally separate reason for fermentation that has nothing to do with the operational need to get to a dried seed and instead is focused on how do we uh how do we use you know microbes that exist in order to achieve a certain flavor can i add one can i add one thing yeah. what's interesting too is it it, it it started with with like sort of a cultural and an environmental like what is the best workflow for being able to get coffee form from from a cherry to being able to export it the fastest and mm. somewhere in there there was a moment where they, there was like this thing is happening and then someone dug and dug and dug and then that that part of it got more and more controlled and and it's something that that Alan and I have talked about a lot is you know, processes and there's sort of two ways you can kind of go about creating a process, right? You can create the most efficient process to make a thing 
or you can figure out what is the very, what is the thing you want to, what is the end thing? And then you create want. a process that gets you most efficiently to that thing. And I think that's where we're at now with, that's what, how we approach our business. We, 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 what is the outcome? And then we, we, we go, we reverse engineer it. And that's what's happening here. And, and I think it's awesome. I think it leads to better and better stuff. And it leads to, uh, I, I mean, the things you never knew uh, you ever have in your mouth. Yeah, this yeah. is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm, I'll transition us then. Let's reverse engineer uh, the best <laughs> cup of tiki punch we can have. What's the what's the brewing process uh, that you would recommend, uh, Alan? Adam, so how, yeah, how, can, sure. how can you get, yeah. like, I put on this black polo today and pineapples grew on it. How do how do you get it to taste that good? You go and you find <laughs> Alan or Alyssa or Addison, and you are like, "Please make me a cup." That's what that's what this guy does. <laughs> Sorry. Boom, done. Yeah, yeah easy. Well, so I mean, part of this is is uh, you know we talked about at the beginning of of the what you know what do you even expect this cup to to taste like? Because honestly, I had. I had no idea. Uh, and, you know, in SL28, um, you can go a lot of different directions. So like the Costa Rica that, that Philip mentioned before uh, was way off in that yellow direction and, and like really intense, like really, really strong acidity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are, there are others, you know, some of my favorite Kenyan coffees are lean hard into like a red fruit punch direction and they can be really, really juicy. And, and you, you end up kind of wanting to brew those in very different ways. Um, so I didn't, I didn't really know what to expect on this one. Uh, and, and if I, if I have no idea, uh, my, my starting point is the, the clever dripper and we will, we will definitely dig more into brewing at some point, uh, and, sure. and talk about why, why I think that's such a good versatile option. Uh, and that's, yeah, I've, I've brewed a handful of cups of this, this so far and, I mean, I've liked I've liked all of them. I've liked them all differently. Um, you know, this coffee again. I, I was an SL twenty eight. That's anaerobic process. Like I was not expecting like a, a pretty forgiving, easy to drink coffee. Like I was expecting something that would be pretty temperamental. That that could have ended up really acidic or really boozy. And it's it's just not those things. So um, I will say the it has held up well for me so far to like longer, longer ratios, like weaker brews. So more of like a 17 to one ratio than uh, the cup I'm drinking right now was, was a 15 to one ratio, uh, which is, which is still nice. Like that stronger cup is, it's good. It's sweet, but you lose a little bit of the like pronounced pineapple flavor and you lose actually some of that, that funkiness at the back end where, because it is so mild, it's nice to, it's nice to have it there as the yeah. as a finish. Um, so it's my recommendation on this coffee. Uh, I mean, it's going to hold up to really any brew method. Something like the the clever though. That's that's sort of middle of the road where you can. Uh, it's it's a really clean cup um, and it's juicy. So uh, you know, I wouldn't be afraid to do something with that's not super filtered. Like a, an AeroPress would do fine with it. Um, you know, you could do espresso with it. Like it's not so acidic. It's going to 
<laughs> ruin your stomach if you <laughs> if you do it. Um, but but yeah, for me, uh, kind of the happy place is is um, you know, a little bit of a weaker ratio, longer ratio uh, in something like a clever. And um, yeah, I wouldn't be afraid to go a little faster on time uh, with it and and try to bring out as much of that brightness as as you can get. Is the clever we mentioned this a little bit last week a conical shape or is that a flat as well? It's I'm, not quite either. It's so it is. It's a hybrid. sphere, you dummy. <laughs> well, it is. So so it is. Uh, think an elongated cone. Um, it so it's like a. So. <laughs> It has two long flat sides that are okay. that are at an angle, and then two rounded end caps, basically. So, okay. uh, if you if you took a took a cone and then like stretched it, and so it had two straight sides, it's it's that. So, so you really, I mean, it it does kind of meet in that middle ground of bringing out some of those brighter flavors, but retaining sweetness, and then it is also a hybrid of. Uh, it's it's an immersion brew, but also a drip brew. Okay. So so you get you have some of the the forgiving nature of the the immersion brew, uh, and you get some of that that extra body. But then you also get you know to bring out some of the um, those brighter flavors too that you can with with the drip type brew. So okay. it's kind of the middle ground on everything. Uh, you know, I'm I'm uh, just disappointed. When... I was told there were two, and now I'm t- now there's three. <laughs> And so I was told it's conical or it's flat, and now there's a hybrid. There's there's another. I know it's coming. We're not sponsored by Clever. <laughs> yeah, so that's a that's a brand but name. Then the show the that's, show is not sponsored yeah, yeah. by. <laughs> but Phil, I'm. Is, I but am. We would like to. Yeah. I am. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all uh, right. Also, what? I we didn't get this in there, but uh, I think it we kind of call a little bit of a callback. Uh, so. Wilder Lazo, I, I'm assuming is how you pronounce his last name. He's the producer that made this coffee, and he's pretty new to coffee. I and, and sort of doing a little bit of research, he's he really wasn't uh, farming coffee until 2017 when he, oh, wow. I guess, came back to the farm to help his father who who had had a farm. And it's kind of like that story kind of bringing back. So I thought it was interesting that someone so new to coffee is producing just fantastic <laughs> coffees like it's pretty cool uh and really exciting yeah yeah there, that's it there was <laughs> no there was some uh what is it it's like messy or something nah, there's some hot book that was out a couple years ago about how uh y- you know doing different things in life can uh, actually help you because he whatever some experience he had over whatever he was doing professional soccer player uh, and then he came in and was like, bam, if we put the coffee in a soccer ball and play with it for, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you wait 10 years. Somebody heard this show confused. and is going to do it. <laughs> I'm a little confused, but. Um, all right. Uh, was there anything else you guys wanted to add? Uh, I, I actually do. I forgot. Uh, we're going to have links uh, to watch the anaerobic process for anybody that wants a visual aid to see how, how that actually works. Right. And otherwise it's up to you guys. Yeah. Uh, I guess I would add that. Yeah. You, 
unfortunately, this is a coffee you can't you can't buy right now. <laughs> uh, as as we record this, um, we did ask Alan. I was I was like Alan. We can't. <laughs> we're gonna do a coffee. People can't even go and buy. And he was like, Yeah, but I really want to drink it and talk. About it. I was like, Yeah, me yeah. too. So. <laughs> we do. I uh, think though we we have one more roast to this one. So we we yeah, will we be releasing one more roast to this one at some yeah. point and. So and we did It'll mention be the... it at the end of last episode, so we, we gave warning that we were talking about something that wouldn't be able to purchase anymore. Totally. And so so when we do the the second batch of this, uh, it'll be the first coffee that comes out in our new limited release boxes as well, which mm, is cool. really exciting. Yeah, I'm excited about those. Very, very cool. All yeah. right. And then... Up next, uh, so so I think they confirmed this morning before we we came on here. Uh, yeah. yep. We should have uh, the the uh, importers from uh, exporters importers, I guess, from Unblended Coffee, uh, and and the producer uh, Andres Cardona, which uh, you can get his uh, one of his coffees. Uh, that is a coffee you can actually buy right now, uh, uh, La Lucion, and it's oh man, it is crazy crazy good. Uh, but yeah. he. He is someone that we've bought um, coffees from for a couple of years now. And the coffees we got from him last year were amazing. It's the same coffee process, two different, two different ways. Yeah. Uh, and it was just a show of how the processing that we're talking about today, uh, he took the same coffee and made one of them taste like blue raspberry, like artificial blue raspberry candy. The, <laughs> I've never had that flavor in coffee before. It was wild. Yeah. Uh, and then the other was this like deep uh, cherry. It actually tasted like, so there is a drink called cascara. It's made from those, those discarded mm-hmm. coffee cherries. Um, and it is, it's, that's what it tastes like. It's this dark red, juicy uh, flavor. So it was, it's just a showcase of what, these incredible producers can do so very excited to have him on and and hear all about how he looks at all these things that that you know that, that we're basically spectators and cheerleaders <laughs> on like we love what he's doing but he can really talk us through uh yeah how does he think about all these things and start at the end and and get to these i mean unbelievable coffees yeah i'm exciting it's it's exciting and also i mean exciting time in coffee for sure and then it's also neat uh that uh you know at, we're in year 12 but lots of years in the coffee industry and it's just so cool that we can hop on a zoom call with the producer and 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 shoot it out into podcast land via whatever whatever way you're watching the show yeah <laughs> <laughs> That just really cracked you up, man. <laughs> we need a we need like a um, like a jingle or whatever. That's that's not my end. I'm not I'm not. We need we need some Panthers Eye originals. Oh, uh, there we go. Okay, we can get that going. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, then in that case, we will, or you'll see us and hear us. Uh, next, what is that? May 5th, right? Cinco de Mayo episode. Uh, Andres Cardona. All right. Uh, See you later, everybody. Goodbye. See ya.